listening to the New York Football Podcast with Tim McMaster and Dan Duggan. Welcome into the first emergency podcast in the history of the New York Football Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Dan Duggan. The Daniel Jones era begins Sunday in Tampa Bay. Um, we're going to break it down. Daniel Jones getting his first start. We'll talk about Eli and the fallout of his days as the starter of the Giants seemingly coming to an end. I guess, Dan, though, first of all, on Monday, Pat Shermer kind of let the cat out of the bag on this one. It seemed like there was no going back after his comments on Monday. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. We're learning how short the shelf life is can, can be for these podcasts. We, were, we recorded on Monday morning, and I was like, oh, there's no way they'd make the change this soon. It won't be till like, week seven. And then Pat Shermer steps to the podium, and as we've kind of find, found that he's want to do, he drops little breadcrumbs and, and lets you kind of pull on the string because – um, you know, he, you know, there's ways to go into press conferences where you're not going to open any doors, but he swung the door wide open to a quarterback change. And, and once you start saying things like, you know, Eli Manning's been the starting quarterback for, you know, the better part of 16 years. Once you start saying, well, he's been the starter to this point, but I don't want to commit, you know, beyond that. Again, once that door's open, you're walking through it. There's no backtracking. Uh, I think really is probably just logistical. Maybe Shermer hadn't had a chance to, you know, kind of speak to all the the main players, whether it be John Mara, Gettleman, Eli himself. So he didn't want to come out and make the announcement publicly. But once you start toying with the idea publicly, and at one point someone even said, because you got to ask point blank, is Eli going to start this week? And he gave a wishy-washy answer, and someone said, well, you're going to just you know, fuel speculation. We've all been around long enough to know how easy it is to ignite a quarterback controversy. And Gettleman, and uh, Shermer said, you know, I know, I understand. So, I mean, again, w- once you did that, you-, you could tell that clearly the gears were turning in his head. Um, so again, I assume that just the last finishing touches were just talking to everybody, making sure everyone's on the same page. They don't want a repeat of 2017 when you know McAdoo presented the cockamamie plan for Eli to play and then Gino to come in. Um, so they got everyone on the same page, sent out a press release uh, Tuesday morning. It definitely wasn't a shock. I thought you know maybe it would just wait till Wednesday because you know Tuesday's an off day. But uh, when that when that email landed in my uh, inbox, it was definitely not a shock. John Mara said before the season started that he wanted this team to win football games with Eli as the quarterback all season long. Uh, That plan lasted two games. Um, This team really, though, when you look at what they've done on the field, they have been that bad, Dan. It seems like the 2019 Giants clearly aren't really going anywhere, and therefore this makes perfect sense to kind of rip the Band-Aid off and get the Daniel Jones uh, era begun. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I'm almost confused when I see, you know, people who are debating like, you know, whether it's Eli's fault or will Daniel Jones even make them better? The 2019 Giants aren't going anywhere, you know, as you said. So it doesn't matter if it's because the wide receivers are hurt, because the defense is bad, you know, whatever the reason is, you have a 38-year-old quarterback in the last year of his contract. If you're not going to win, there's absolutely no upside, no reason to play him, especially when you just drafted a kid with the 6th pick. You know, as much as we talked about the mentoring part of things, it's pretty much agreed upon that, as in anything in life, the best way to learn is through experience. So get Jones out there, get him as much experience as possible. It'll probably be ugly at times, maybe for the majority of the season, who knows, but you only will find out by putting him out there. And obviously the hope is that he's better for it going forward. You know, we can always go back to Eli Manning's rookie season. It was a disaster. I mean, he had the 0.0 quarterback rating when he went against that Ravens defense. 
It didn't scar him for life, so anyone worried about that, you know, Daniel Jones will be able to deal with adversity, and we've talked about it. He played at Duke. I mean, he's, he's not exactly been a front runner his whole life. And, again, you hope that as this franchise starts this turnaround and is able to build, well, now you'll have Daniel Jones, you know, kind of one year ahead of the process. And if you had just, you know, rode it out with Eli and gone 8-8, eight and eight, I've said all along, that would have been the worst-case scenario. We knew they weren't going to be a, a Super Bowl contender. So I, I kind of tip my cap that, hey, it's 0-2. It's clear that this defense isn't going to get fixed. It's just time to pull off the Band-Aid. Uh, it's, it's kind of a raw deal for Eli because I don't think when he, you know, made the decision to come back or, you know, the sides agreed that it was, you know, they're going to give him one last go-around, I don't think he thought it was a two-week leash. Um, but that speaks more to just sort of the, as we talked on Monday, Gettleman's misguided plan. And, I mean, he was saying stuff in March that anyone who, you know, thinks Eli can't play, you know, that's a crock and – you have to trust my, you know, decision making and my ability ability to evaluate rosters. Well, two games into the season, he's on our side now because everyone was saying that Eli couldn't play and that the <laughs> team couldn't compete. So, and he did the same exact thing last year. So, the idea of him saying, "Well, hey, either you believe in me or you don't," I mean, I feel like a lot of the evidence is pointing in the wrong direction there for him because he keeps changing his plans and changing them to the plans that most outsiders could see without having all this, you know, unbelievable NFL experience. So, uh, I think that's the part for Eli that's unfortunate because. Uh, it probably would have been his best interest just to retire this offseason if he knew they were going to take a quarterback. He knew he wasn't going to get, uh, you know, a real chance to win. You know, this roster was not going to be, you know, a contending team. Uh, instead, now he has to have this awkward situation where he's, you know, probably going to be the backup for the next 15 weeks. That's a that's a long time to be, you know, showing every game, holding the clipboard, and you know, trying to, uh, you know, cheer Daniel Jones up after interception, whatever it may be. It's it's going to be an awkward scene. Yeah, and the fact is, Eli has shown that at this point in his career, I mean, there are shortcomings. He's not the guy that he once was. And maybe even though there's going to be some struggles absolutely for Daniel Jones as he kind of learns on the job, there may also be some great flashes that even give fans some hope for the future. And there, there could be some positives that come out of it from that standpoint. Beyond the fact that he'll get 14 starts now um, instead of just maybe a handful at the end of the season, um, the timing um, is interesting because there's two ways to look at it, I think. Um, you could start your new fresh quarterback at home in front of the home fans and have that excitement and maybe the lift they could give him, although New York can be cynical at times. So there's also the, the standpoint that you start him on the road like they will with Daniel Jones in Tampa Bay, and there isn't the added pressure of the home fans, and whatever he does – in Florida this weekend, it won't be there won't be any booze because he's doing it on the road. <laughs> Which side of uh, kind of that outlook do you stand on, Dan? The better off on the road or better off at home for a debut? Yeah, I mean, I've never even really gotten that caught up in you know the exact situation because whenever he goes in, it's 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 probably never going to be a perfect opportunity unless you know the Dolphins were coming to town this week, and so you know they don't obviously play them till much later in the season. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, on the road against Tampa, at home against Washington next week, I don't think it makes a, a major difference. I hear what you're saying about, you know, just the fan reaction. I would assume that the home crowd is going to have a little bit of patience with the kid. I mean, you know, a lot of fans have been claim, you know, clamoring for Eli to get benched. You can't just then go start booing the backup after a game or two. I mean, I think you have they to have a little They did boo him on draft day, though. <laughs> you know, but he's turned those into cheers as we saw yeah, this I preseason. Know, I, I, think, I think the fans are actually going to be quite excited. And, again, if he struggles – you know, this is supposed to be a smart fan base. You have to understand he's a rookie, and, and the team does have some shortcomings. Um, that's to be expected. I think he could provide a spark. And, and the thing that really strikes me is how early they're doing this is this isn't just about the future. Because, again, if, if they let Eli 
sputter along, and when they're four and six, you know, clearly not making the playoffs, then you make the change. Well, then you're just trying to get Jones's feet wet. You know, the season's not going anywhere. Pulling the plug this early, to me, it says that Pat Shermer actually believes Jones is better than Eli or, or can bring more to the table, is a better fit for his offense, whatever you want to say, because, um, you know, back to my previous point, while, while it's not all Eli's fault, we, you know, we talked about the defense, uh, you know, Eli hasn't made any plays this season, and that's kind of been a recurring theme. Uh, I think with Jones, certainly Shermer sees the mobility as a big asset and, and certainly not something you get from Eli. And he's just made a few other comments. He made, you know, he made a comment, I don't know if it was on the radio or in his press conference yesterday, where he was talking about the third down struggles. And he said, sometimes you got to just like pull the trigger. You know, I don't remember the exact wording, but I think Eli's just reluctance to take chances anymore and all the check downs that everyone has kind of, you know, smack, you know, smack themselves in the forehead because it just happens so often. I think there's a feeling, and again, there'll be, there'll be hiccups along the way here, that Jones, you know, might be just a better quarterback at this point. Uh, like I said, maybe just a better fit. Um, so, I mean, I think I think that's the biggest takeaway for me that they're doing so early is that, you know, 0-2, the season isn't necessarily lost. If Jones comes in and just absolutely lights the world on fire, you can t- turn things around. If you wait till you know, week 12, you know, your, your die is kind of cast at that point. So, uh, I think that really tells you how high Shermer is on Jones and, and his belief that this kid can turn things around because um, Pat Shermer can't really be too worried about the future. He's, you know, got a 15-36 career record. You know, he might be preparing Daniel Jones for the next coach. So he needs to win some games this year and get himself to year three. And then obviously for his sake, hopefully grow with Jones. Um, but, you know, he has to make a sort of a selfish decision and, and, you know, aligns with the team's goal of winning the next game anyways. But uh, he can't, you know, go down with Eli and, and be sentimental. He needs to get his guy on the field and, and see how that shakes out. Do you think as far as the playbook goes, is it the full playbook right away for Daniel Jones? Do they try to ease him into things a little bit as a rookie quarterback? I think if anything, it might be, I don't want to say a bigger playbook, but it might be different. I think you're going to see some of the, you know, the zone read stuff. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll be doing designed runs, but I think sort of the play action bootleg type stuff, the rollouts that um, they did with Eli last year and it worked. I mean, everyone killed them for using it in week one. I think you have to almost tip your cap. Dallas clearly scouted that and knew it was coming, but um, it was never Eli's strength, but he was able to do it a little bit uh, the second half of last year. But I think that'll be a bigger part of the offense. I mean, the one thing in the preseason we really didn't see was very many design runs with Jones. But uh, I think now that the games count, I think you'll be willing to, um, you know, put him at risk if you want to use that term, but um, let him play to, the, you know, the full capabilities of, of his skill set. So uh, I think the thing that'll probably be different is, you know, we've heard for a million years, Eli always makes the right checks at the line, always gets the team into the right play. You know, maybe they'll limit just sort of the audibles initially because it's a lot to put on Jones's his plate. You know, Shermer's going to have to, you know, get him in the right play from the get-go. And uh, But Jones is a smart kid, so I think, you know, that'll come along. And that's another thing where he'll only gain that through experience. So it just speaks to the value of getting him out there. But, yeah, I don't think the playbook – I don't think they have to, you know, shrink it down and come up with some really basic stuff. I think Jones is a smart kid. Um, I think he's shown that, you know, he's capable of doing a lot of different things during the preseason – and like I said, I think if anything, it might expand in a way in, in terms of just incorporating some runs. All right, let's look at this a little more from the Eli side of things. It is interesting timing um, as far as record goes. And I'm guessing this is coincidental, Dan, but it is interesting that Eli right now 116 and 116 in his career in the regular season. So basically, if he had continued to start for this Giants team, 
he would have ended up retiring with a losing record in the NFL, which doesn't seem right for a guy who's a two-time Super Bowl MVP. So maybe one of the the interesting coincidences is that he'll end up with that record. You would think, I mean, other things can happen. Maybe he ends up starting another game this season. Who knows? Um, But that's certainly interesting. Um, How do you think he handles this? Shermer said Eli was disappointed. You know, um, he said he's going to be a good teammate and all of that stuff. Do you think he really embraces that role and tries to help Daniel Jones here the rest over these these 15 weeks? Yeah, I mean, first to the record, it, it seems kind of fitting, I mean, uh, that he ends at 500 because he's a guy who's had, you know, the highest highs and the lowest lows, so everything just kind of meets in the middle uh, at the <laughs> yeah. end. And, and one other thing, I was just looking at some of the, the career, um, you know, passer categories of all time, and he's one touchdown behind Ben Roethlisberger for seventh all time. He's eight yards behind Roethlisberger for sixth all time. Uh, he, you know, if he played the whole season, he'd catch Marino for fifth in completion attempts. So, uh, especially with Rothenberg being out for the season, Eli would have even moved further up the leaderboard. So maybe the, the win-loss would have gone the wrong direction, but he would have even moved further up, and now he might just be kind of you know stuck here forever. Um, I hope none of that stuff would be much of a consideration, just sort of a side note. Um, as far as him you know, gr- you know, embracing the mentor role, I mean, it's going to be interesting because you know Eli is a, a class individual, has handled everything extremely well. But, I mean, he is the same guy who, you know, didn't want to go to San Diego and, and you know, f- made sure he got himself in the best situation in New York. Uh, he handled the benching in 2017 with class, but he also sort of subtly kind of flexed his just, you know, pull he has where, um, you know, he handling so well, everyone kind of did his bidding for him, and he got that job back within a week. Um, so I'm not saying he's going to, you know, scheme behind the scenes to you know, overthrow Daniel Jones I think he'll understand the situation but I I have a hard time believing he's gonna you know be quite as invested I mean how could you be again these guys are still human beings at the end of the day I mean I don't think he's gonna be showing up at the facility five minutes before the first meeting and, and skipping out as soon as practice is over but is he gonna be spending 12 hours a day making sure Daniel Jones is fully ready I don't know I mean we'll see Again, that's where the part where it's 15 weeks is interesting to me, too, because uh, it'd be one thing if it was a couple of weeks to end the season, not that big of a deal, but it's going to be awkward. I mean, their lockers are next to each other. I mean, Eli's always had the swarm of media around his locker after every game, you know, every you know every week when he speaks at his, uh, during the um, practice schedule. Now it's going to be one stall over, and, you know, people will still be interested in Eli, of course, but it's not, it's not going to be the same. Uh, again, I just think human nature, it, it, you know, you, you you know, you might like Daniel Jones wants the Giants to do well, but I don't know if your heart can be fully into it. So it, I think that's going to be fascinating to see uh, how that does play out, because, again, I just feel like Eli probably wishes he just retired last offseason. This, this, this has to have been sort of the worst case scenario for him to come back to to have to, spend, like I said, spend this amount of time as the backup. Um, I guess the only good thing is it didn't get dragged out and he's not going to ask the same questions every week because that was certainly going to get tiresome too, I believe. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's going to be an odd dynamic, and I guess we'll really find out, um, you know, how much he is, you know, willing to be a mentor because that that's his role right now. And now he has a no trade clause, and you would think that he wants to end up his career with the Giants and and be just a Giant for his entire career. Is that safe to say, or is there any slight chance that he would think about accepting a trade and the Giants would consider moving him for a late-round pick or something here during 2019? I mean, look, I've learned my lesson about really saying definitive things because this team has zigged a few times when I thought they would zag. So um, I don't think he would be interested. I mean, again, he he put that no-trade clause in there for a reason. 
Granted, there are a lot of openings around the league, so maybe you know one or two would interest him. Who knows? But you also, it's a it's a two way street there. What team is really going to be interested in Eli? He's got about ten million dollars left on his contract this year, so right away you can rule out any team that doesn't have you know a decent chunk of cap space. And then you know New Orleans would make sense, I guess, because you know that's his hometown. Maybe he'd want to go there. But you know Breeze is expected back, so you're going to bring Eli in, and you already have Teddy Bridgewater. Um, that, that doesn't really make sense because we're going to go there and be the starter for four weeks. And, and you also got to figure he'd be going in, learning a new offense on the fly. I just can't see any team looking at Eli and saying, you know, that's the answer. I mean, again, this is last year of his contract. He's 38, so it would be a move strictly for this year. I don't think any team is going to look at what he's done the last couple of years and said, you know, he's the piece that will keep us on, on track, say, this team like the Saints or, I mean, you know, if you're the Jets, I mean, why would you even consider it? You know, you you, know, you got a young quarterback who's going to be back. So you just start looking at all the, the different possibilities, um, and none of them make sense. Again, I just can't see any team really being interested in him. And then, of course, you know, he's got the cover of having a no-trade clause, so we don't really have to even go that far down this road of, of you know, teams expressing they don't have interest because it just might never get off the ground because he might just say, listen, I'm going to stay a Giant, I want to retire a Giant, and that's that. And, and I think that's how it'll play out. But – Never say never with this team. As his career winds down here, um, these conversations are obviously going to start up. Two-time Super Bowl MVP. You mentioned where he ranks in a lot of statistics as far as NFL history. In your mind, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, is Eli a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I mean, first ballot. And that's why it's funny because, you know, sometimes on Twitter, people are so dramatic. You know, Eli stands more than the other, and I get grouped in as an Eli hater. Listen, I'm a quote-unquote hater of the 38-year-old version of Eli that has you know really struggled the last couple of years and I thought it was time to move on but full body of work I I mean he's a Hall of Famer I understand all the arguments against that you know, he hasn't won any playoff games other than the two years he you know hasn't never really been a top three even top five quarterback certainly not consistently throughout his career uh, I think he's only had four Pro Bowls no all pros I get all of that but you just look at the two things that you know you're judged on championships and he's got two of them. There's no, you know, quarterback who two Super Bowl MVPs, I should say, that it, no quarterback's done that who's not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and you know, he obviously was a big piece of the, big part of those championship runs. And then just the longevity. I, you know, I know it's not baseball, but we talked about where he's in all these all-time passing categories, and, and the, the common rebuttal to that as well. The game has changed. Um, but again, other guys have been around, you know, they didn't put up the same numbers as him. Maybe in 10 years, we'll look back and say, oh yeah, those Eli numbers really don't look that good when you compare him to, you know, all this generation's quarterbacks. But, you know, look at all these other guys who, who came in around him, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he had, wasn't able to stay healthy to, to put up the same numbers. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, I totally understand the arguments against, but the, the, the durability, the, you know, just the accumulation of stats, which again, I think is an accomplishment in its own right to be able to be a starter for a team for 15 plus years it says something about you. And of course, the two Super Bowl rings, two Super Bowl MVPs, I don't see how you keep a guy like that out of the Hall of Fame. This is going to sound silly, but I think there's actually maybe something to it from a from a fan and a football fan standpoint. Think back to all the years Eli's been in the NFL. And I agree with you that he's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Um, but he's never been a guy that went, say, in the top five picks or five quarterback picks in a fantasy draft. And we live in an era where fantasy football is such a big deal. I think some fans think about that and it pops into their head like, well, he was never a guy I wanted or, or stood out to me in that standpoint. And they let it affect their viewpoint of him as a quarterback. I know that's crazy, but I feel like 
fantasy football is such a huge part of people's and fans' outlook of football that that actually may, in this day and age, have an impact on how we view these quarterbacks. Yeah, and listen, I mean, it's you know, it's a human panel. There's no like you know, you just hit these thresholds and a computer you know sends you on your way to Canton. And uh, I know there's been sort of informal polling of some of the voters, and it, it seems like he has sort of an uphill climb. Um, you know, I was at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and was up in Minnesota. And I did a poll of I don't know, probably the 15, 20 Hall of Famers and just got their take. I mean, obviously, they don't have a vote, but, you know, who, who's more qualified? And the majority definitely said they thought Eli's a Hall of Famer. I, I just think, you know, that five-year window after he retires, I think people will gain a greater appreciation because when you watch him on Sundays and he's throwing ugly interceptions, you know, whatever it may be, it's easy to kind of bash the guy. Like, he's never been a fantasy darling, never been a, um, you know, a, a top, top-level guy. But if, if you just look through the Hall of Fame, there's plenty of quarterbacks that, you know, Joe Namath obviously stands out, he, you know, he's more or less in there for, you know, one moment, one game. Um, so I just think if you compare him, you know, over the, the, the long haul and, and when you really put his career in perspective, the longevity, the winning, the career stats, I just, I just think he has to get in. And I say first ballot, I don't think he will be first ballot. And I don't have a problem right. with that because, um, you know, he's not Tom Brady. He's not, he's not his brother. He's not one of those guys who was just transcendently great. Um, but I, I just I just think that um, you know his, his body work that definitely warrants a spot. Yeah, and he played in an interesting era of great quarterbacks too. So many of them around that same time. All right, well it's a it's an interesting era for the New York Giants as they turn the page on Eli Manning and hand the keys to the car, even if it's not really a Ferrari right now. To Daniel Jones, any last thoughts for this emergency podcast, Dan? No, I said just to produce a Marissa, let's get this posted before they make any other changes or, or Eli's traded <laughs> by the time we get this out there. Because, again, the, things have happened fast lately with this franchise, and they've made some pretty big moves the last year, year and a half. Yeah, let's get this thing going. All right, sounds good. And later this week, uh, if you are a subscriber to The Athletic, we'll have a full preview of the game with Tampa Bay. Where we'll talk about how Daniel Jones obviously matches up with that particular team. You have to be a subscriber of The Athletic to get that episode, though. You may be listening to this one on The Athletic or also iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, thank you for, uh, for listening to us wherever you do, but definitely check out the possibility of a subscription at The Athletic. Uh, for Dan Duggan, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in to this emergency episode of the New York Football Podcast. Hey there, listeners. We are excited to share some big news. Our team here at The Athletic and our friends at Wondery just launched a brand new daily sports show called The Lead that we know you're going to love. The Lead is the first daily sports news podcast that will cover everything from the world stage to the hometown with the help of The Athletic's more than 400 sports writers and editors. Co-hosts Kavitha Davidson and Anders Kelto will bring you sports news up close and personal each weekday morning. You're about to hear a preview of The Lead. Subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss an episode. There's also a link in the episode notes that will take you there. And check out theathletic.com slash the lead to read stories featured on The Lead. You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. That's the buzzer. Oh, he knocks it down! 
stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score, five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you kidding me? I have never seen anything like that. The Lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The Lead. Sports up close. Hey, hey, I need some more of that.